it's in letting go of what you believe the end result should be where brilliance occurs. And it's about taking risks and not caring and allowing your darkest, deepest moments as well as your happy ones to really inform what you're doing. That was Elizabeth Bryan here on the Creative Habits Podcast. She's a co-author but selling chicken soup for the soul. Count your blessings. And she recently published Soul Models. Transformative stories of courage and compassion that will transform your life. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Elizabeth Bryan. I'm an author, an artist, and a speaker. Um, I am a creative, I'm a serial creative. Um, I've done everything from make art to make clothing to make jewelry to writing books, inventing games, way too many things. Um, but my most recent passion is my new recently launched book called Soul Models, Transformative Stories of Courage and Compassion That Will Transform Your Life. Nice. Now, so this was just released uh, days ago, it looks like, right? Correct. Correct. And, and what, what got you on the road to create the book? Um, well, you know, it's, that's a great question, Wyatt. The truth of the matter is that I had gone through a very challenging divorce. And, you know, people go through really hard things, and of course, everything is relative. And that was probably the second worst thing that I'd ever been through. I, I also had a very bad car accident at 19 years old. And so I became a seeker at an early age, always looking for ways to kind of navigate pain. And how do you do that? And so I was actually promoting my Chicken Soup for the Soul Count Your Blessings book. Um, looking for someone to help me do social media, as that is not one of my strong points. And I sat down with Angela Daffron, um, who I found on Craigslist, believe it or not. And, you know, my seeking mind kind of went, okay, so why did you start um, doing social media? And when she told me the story, I really almost like spit out my latte. She told me that her best friend, who she had known her entire life, um, Jody Sanderholm was stalked and raped and murdered, and that when that happened, she committed her life to bringing justice to Jody, finding Jody's killer, and advocating um, to prevent stalking and raise stalking awareness. And she had changed law by then in two states. And I was so blown away by that because, you know, it's like I said, everyone's challenges are relative. And people complain about things like, you know, carpool or you're doing laundry or whatever. And here was this full-time mom who had, you know, devoted her entire life to raising awareness for stalking. And the question kind of became, well, how do you get through that? When something that tragic happens, how did you get up the next day? And that's kind of the genesis of Soul Models. I, I called Angela, I think, the next day and I said, do you want to do a book about this? And let's let's call people who have really been through hell and figure out how they did it. And the first person we called was Candy Leitner, who founded Mothers Against Drunk Driving after her 14-year-old was mowed down and murdered by a drunk driver who had four prior convictions. And I thought, you know, if I can understand how Candace Leitner got out of bed the next day and I can share that with people, it's going to help the planet. And kind of as we dug deeper, Wyatt, we learned that everyone sort of got through it. 
by reaching out instead of caving in, by trying to um, give purpose to the tragedy or the hardship and, you know, getting out of their own head. So it really became very clear early on that living compassionately was one of these key, what we call solutions to getting through hard times. So that's, that's a long-winded answer to a short question. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very inspiring. I, I was looking at the book, and I highly recommend it. I'll have a, a link in the show notes. But the really interesting part uh, beyond the story that you engaged with is the ability to create with another on such a deep level because you, you've got these stories, but you're creating with another person and connecting at the same time. So I'm curious on how your creative habits kind of melded together with with uh, Angela to uh, create the book. Well, that's a great question. And Angela and I have very different skill sets. And so she is really so incredible at uh, marketing and social media and those kinds of things. And I'm really the primary writer for the book. Um, so we kind of divvied up the details and duties like scheduling the interviews and, um, you know, kind of reaching out to people, all, all the outreach we both did equally. And then when it came down to fully writing the stories, for the most part, um, although Angela did write a couple of them, I did that and she did her thing. I think the bigger creative question that might interest your listeners is how do you collaborate with somebody who's lost a child or who has you know been raped and gotten AIDS or who has overdosed 10 times um, that was a very different creative collaboration which was mine with the contributors and having to write their stories being privileged to write their stories in the first person and really getting into their heads was an astonishing learning experience for me. And did you find it easier to, um, you know, engage with that, having your own journey to relate to them? And and did, did you find that it was um, a bit of a time to get them to open it up or, or did they pretty much open up right away and, and engage in that creative process? Um, you know, for the most part, I would say they engaged in the process because they were all, they're all really compelled to share what happened still because every time they do that, they're giving it meaning, even if it was a challenge they observed, um, like, you know, Gary Sinise, for example, um, and, and his, the way he advocates for veterans, people want to share that. And, and for me, what was beautiful was that the more they opened up, the more I learned and the more Angela learned and the more we learned from each one that just kind of blew us away and kind of also served our own personal journeys because we, you know, we went through a lot in, in this book took four and a half years to write. And during that time, um, I got separated. The father of my children passed away. Um, I had stomach surgery. Angela's house burnt to the ground. <laughs> Um, her father had a stroke um, and was hit by a drunk driver. I mean, all these crazy things happened where we were so blessed to be able to turn to these incredible human beings and say, okay, you got through it this way. How can we apply that in our lives? It was just such an incredible experience. We, we just couldn't wait for the book to get out and help you know as many people as we can. I, I have all this happened while you were writing all the yeah. 
while you were writing the book. So you yeah. you basically felt the journey while you were. Oh, we were living it. Yeah, we, you up were living until it. the very last minute. I think we when we were doing final finite edits, Wyatt. That is when um, Angela had another relative who was killed in a car accident, and that is when the father of my children passed away, like right in the middle of the final edits. And I I did dedicate the book to him. Um, which I had planned on doing um, for a couple of months, realizing he was ill, um, but he did pass away like right as we were, you know, proofreading, like for the tenth time. Wow! So, but we had to keep going because we were on deadline, and so you know there was kind of no stopping at that point, which was something else we really learned from the soul models is that you never, never give up, no matter what's going on, can't give up. Yeah, that momentum, definitely in creativity, that momentum is there for you to just put yourself on the page or put yourself on the canvas. And if you don't give up and allow something to come through that creative process, even if it seems like there might be nothing. But I, the, the emotional level, I can't imagine how you could create and detach yourself both. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if it would be detachment. So I guess that will be the question for you. Because you have this emotion coming at you from all of the people you are interviewing, and you have the emotion you're going through, and, right? And yet you're creating at the same time. And how did you manage that energy? Well, it's actually a beautiful thing, and I'm sure you've known a lot of artists and writers. But we use our emotions, positive and negative, to inform our work. And so, you know, probably the greatest work ever have been made when somebody was suicidal or depressed. <laughs> I hate to say it like that, but, you know, negative emotions really serve creativity. And I'm not saying that any of these emotions, they were more overwhelming than negative, I would say at different times. But, you know, knowing that there was a support system out there of these incredible contributors and the lessons that they were sharing was you know, made it so much easier to kind of let what was going on in my personal life flow into the writing and, you know, know that I was safe and supported, like I wasn't going to go off the deep end. It was actually very, very therapeutic. And how do you, and so the keeping your compassion, the real lesson there, how, how were you able to keep that, that uh, compassion alive when you have all these things coming at you? Well, you know, it just, I believe that the universe does things in a really, uh, con a really constructive way. Albert Einstein said that, coinc that coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. And, you know, whether you believe in God or a higher power or whatever, it never felt um, coincidental to me that these things were happening. It felt like they were all put in my path so I could use them to access my own compassion, you know, to be sure I was taking care of myself and to help that be the message also. Um, my ex-husband and I never really got along after we divorced and it was just a, a really a, a hard 10 years between us relationship-wise and when he passed away, before he had passed away, I had reached out to him by email, um, and I was still writing the book, and I just said, look, you know, we've been through so much, I, I've, I always loved you, and there was so much magic, and I hope you're okay, and he wrote back something that was very noncommittal, and, which was typical of him, and about a week and a half after he died, I was digging through my trash emails, 
And I found these incredible emails that he wrote, like literally saying he was sorry, forgiving, and, you know, let's move on to something better now. And, you know, so that was kind of put in my path at the same time all of the other stuff was. And while I was devastated that he passed away, especially for my children, it was like the universe gave me this incredible closure that just kind of broke me open emotionally and spiritually in terms of compassion and really informed the rest of my own story, which was about forgiveness and self-forgiveness primarily and, and not beating yourself up, um, which, you know, some of us have tendency to do. Yeah, I'm, definitely. And I'm one of those people. So. <laughs> but so, so the synchronicities that you felt in your own life while you went through the process, keeping your eyes open to those synchronicities exactly. and being thankful for them. Oh, gosh, yeah. I and, mean, I that's the, the biggest thing is that if you keep your eyes open and your mind and your heart open, they're always there. The signs are always there. Um, and I also would love to say, Wyatt, there's one story in the book in particular, and I don't know if you had a chance to read it, about Ben Breedlove. Um, who was 18 when he died of heart disease, and he created a video before he passed away um, that kind of documented his experiences cheating death because he had had several of those. And he told no one he made this last video, although he had made a bunch of other videos on YouTube. And the video came out after he died, and it went viral around the world to the tune of like 15 million views. And it was really his experience, you know, going to heaven or whatever you want to call it and feeling so proud and wonderful and never wanting to come back. And Kid Cudi was there somehow. And, you know, I have to say that that story in particular really resonated with me. And anytime I really was starting to lose it, I could call the breed loves who I became very, very close to or read Ben's story or think about Ben and go, you know what, this is exactly the way it's supposed to be. It just is. Hmm. It it is. Uh, our life is a creative process. So, whether you are creating on the page or just through interactions on a daily basis, realizing that it all has a bit of magic, and there is uh, something to keep with you to stay inspired through those dark moments. But it all contributes in a. It a, does. Yeah. It does, and I always when I teach creativity, my biggest point that I make is. Life and creativity are the same process. It's a, it's a constant breaking down and breaking through and using the breaking down components in the breakthrough experience. So there's nothing that's ever lost or wasted because there are elements of in everything um, that is destroyed or that we believe is lost that we can pick up and scoop up and carry forward into the next phase of our lives or in the next phase of our art. So I'm very big when I'm making art on, on tearing things up and harvesting and you know making things and risking them and using pieces of them in, in other things. And you know, it's just life and creativity are really much more about the process than the end result, in, in my humble opinion anyway. Definitely, definitely. Well, it's, uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you've gotten the book out 
and I'm looking forward to reading the rest of it. And I appreciate you coming on the show and and describing the the process you went through to to write that. Is there any anything you would uh, give to our listeners that you haven't already that that would help them on their their creative journey if they're trying to kind of break free and really give themselves the extra oomph to to really call themselves an artist and really just go for it. Yes, I think I would the thing I would like to say always is again, it's a process, it's about the journey and not the destination and it's in letting go of what you believe the end result should be where brilliance occurs. And it's about taking risks and not caring and allowing your darkest, deepest moments as well as your happy ones to really inform what you're doing. Really, you know, feel them in your body before you sit down to create. Meditate on what's been going on. Notice the physical sensations in your body before you sit down to write or paint or make music or any of those things. And then, you know, just open to letting it flow through and be a channel and it's kind of the way I sum it up in my book and in my art is it's not what happens it's how you heal with it and so you know I urge everyone to use the creative process to heal um, not just deal but to heal and to use negative experiences to heal to heal something else to heal someone else or just to heal yourself nice and your next book, are you, are you on to a, a, a next book? Are you taking a little break? or? Well, we probably will be doing Soul Models 2 very shortly because we have so many stories that actually didn't make it into the first book. Um, and I'm also pursuing a master's in art therapy now. So lots of different creative things on the horizon. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you very much, Elizabeth. I really enjoyed talking to you, and um, I look forward to the to reading the rest of the book and, and look forward to the second one. Wyatt, thank you so much for your time and thank you to everybody who's listening and, you know, happy creating. That concludes our podcast here with Creative Habits. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. 